Blog Talk Radio. appreciate you joining us on this Thursday. Mike Bozich, Mike Carter on the other side, and uh, driver Montrell Teague is going to join us probably in about the six or seven minutes or so, and we're going to talk to him about the big matchup coming up between uh, Wigglet Jigglet and Freaky Feet Pete. They're calling it a rubber match, uh, but I'll tell you what, Mike, two fantastic horses will do battle Friday at Hoosier Park, and uh, also some other great stakes races. We're going to get into that card in uh, just a couple of minutes. Clarissa Coughlin's going to join us, the director of Friends of Maryland, Standard Had a chance to sit down with her. That's coming up a little bit later on in the program as well. Plus, we're going to talk about the Breeders' Crown. What a great day of racing, Mike, even though the weather may not have been so great. Yeah, the weather didn't cooperate that much, but I'll tell you what, we had a heck of a show here. If you missed it, it is on our archive. And, uh, Mike, you can also now visit us on the iTunes Apple Store uh, underneath the podcast. Uh, post time with Mike, and Mike is there as well. So if you're looking for our British Crown show, it's there. I'll tell you what, we had a lot of fun Saturday night and uh, a couple of upsets, including Mission Brief, who uh, self-destructed in the stretch. Yeah, certainly. And there's uh, some great thoughts on that particular day. Um, you know, whether Mission Brief would have won or not, it kind of looked like the horse was a winner, but we'll talk about that a little bit later on in the program. Plus, we'll take a look at some harness racing headlines as well. But uh, Mike, a big card Coming up at Hoosier Park on Friday. Of course, we've got the big matchup between Wiggle It, Jiggle It, and Freaky Feet Pete. We'll talk about that. But there's some other great races on that card as well, Mike. Yeah, there's a lot of great stakes action going on at Hoosier Park. I'll tell you what, the Hoosier Park has become sort of a fall meadowlands to me. And uh, I'm really, really enjoying some of the racing that I'm seeing out there. And uh, looking over this card of stakes racers, they have uh, 14 races. And they've got pacing events, they've got trotting events. They are all over the place. I'll tell you what, it's going to be a good time. Yeah, plus the uh, kindergarten uh, finals uh, coming up, Mike, as well at Vernon for the uh, freshman trotters. Colts and Phillies will be in action as well. So once again, uh, some big action coming up this weekend in the harness racing world. But some of the races coming up at Hoosier Park on Friday. The, uh, the USS Indianapolis Memorial for three-year-old Philly Pacers. Uh, that's going for over $100,000. The Crossroads of America, three-year-old Philly Trot, going for $140,000. The Carl Erskine, three-year-old Colton Gelding Trot, that's going for uh, two seventy. Um, the uh, Hoosier Park uh, Pacing Derby, a free-for-all pace, uh, that's going for $165,000. That's got the uh, great foiled again, uh, squaring off against the J.K. End of an era who uh, picked up a flying second against the Always Be Mickey in the uh, Breeders' Crown. And then, of course, the big one, Mike, we're going to be joined by Montreal Tink here in just a moment. The Monument Circle going for a purse of 285000 
$500. Everybody's dubbing it the big uh, rematch, or I should say the rubber match between Wiggle the Jiggle and Freaky Feet Pete. But how about Lost for Words? Now, we have to remember, Mike, that turning for home, Lost for Words had about a three or four length lead, and Ken Middleton described the horse as is, is, uh, getting away a little bit. And actually, he was until uh, Freaky Feet Pete closed home to get him. Yeah, you know, I'll tell you what. I, I remember we're going to hear this stretch call later on. And I remember Ken Middleton saying they're going to have to do some pacing or Miller's going to steal one from him. Miller was going to steal one from him. And uh, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you what, though. Lost for Words is a very gutsy horse. But every time I've seen him race, he finishes second. And Roger Houston has said he's no loser, and he's not a loser. This horse, I'm not taking anything away from this Brian Brown trained horse, but he likes to finish second, and that is against him in this race. Who knows? Maybe you can get a little bit of value play underneath, but I think, unfortunately, it's going to be uh, it's going to be Freaky Feed Pete versus Wigglet Jigglet round number three. And, uh, of course, you have my hero, Ron, in this race. Uh, the big year is somebody new that I have not seen yet who has made $100,000 this year off a 151 effort. So there's some new names uh, kind of popping up here, including Nobles Finesse and Yankee Bounty is not really a new name, but it's 30 to 1 on the morning line off a 149 and 3 effort this year, over 282,000 in the bank. So you're trying to say the race may be a little bit deeper than uh, what the morning line odds say? Yeah, maybe so, but you know, like I said, you can get value from these one to nine shots. And if you can, uh, you know, I don't think by any means Wiggle and Jiggle is going to be one to nine in this race. So it's going to be uh, it's going to be a fun one to watch. And who knows? Maybe somebody uh, somebody crazy like Yankee Bounty, my hero Ron Cooperstown, Lost for Words can stick their nose in there. I think Lost for Words, this Lost for Words goes off at anywhere close to eight to one, might be worth a play. And uh, who knows here? You might want to watch the show pools, but the way Freaky Feet Pete Wiggle and Jiggle have been racing. I just I I could see them both being about even money or lower than that. I I just I don't see Wiggle It Jiggle It being three to five and Freaky Feet Pete seven to five. I just I, I see maybe those two flip. Well, yeah, it could be. It's going to depend. But you know, backtracking a little bit, Mike, to the Breeders' Crown. A good buddy, Ryan Macedonio from FantasyTrot.com, was uh, at the Breeders' Crown and uh, you know doing some fantastic interviews like he's been doing, but also he had an opportunity and us being announcers, we can definitely appreciate this. And actually you, um, you were in the Mohawk booth, right? Not the Woodbine. You were at Mohawk, right? Yep. I've been to Mohawk. Oh. Yep. Uh, okay. And, and, and you called the race there, but uh, Ryan Macedonio was able to uh, get a video of Ken Middleton calling the action of uh, some of the Breeders Crown events from the booth and hats off to Ken because, as we saw, Mike, he takes a little bit of a different approach than what we may do as far as calling races. Ken looks at the monitor. He's got – how big is that TV? What's that, about a 300-incher? I'll tell you what, it, it, it is definitely huge. And, you know, Ken Middleton made a comment. Uh, a couple of people were asking, you know, oh, do you use trackers? Do you use this? Do you use that? And he is very lucky that they show their product in HD. The video quality is great, and I can attest that calling a race off the television at Mohawk or Woodbine is a lot easier than calling through the binoculars because it is so clear. And so uh, that, that, definitely, uh, that definitely makes a difference when calling the race. Uh, I still prefer my binoculars, but I can understand why he does it the way he does. Well, certainly, and another thing that you have to remember, Mike, maybe not so much at Mohawk, but at Woodbine, the harness track is the third track is is basically a couple of tracks away because you've got the thoroughbred right. and you've got the 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 uh, turf and then you have the harness track so quite frankly it's a little ways away from well of course not only the announcers booth but also the stands and the apron and everything else but i i just thought that was fantastic and, and hats off to kenny who just did a remarkable job one of my favorite calls actually the breeders crown when he called Boston Red Rocks coming out of nowhere and uh, saying, hey, Boston Red Rocks over the Green Monster, how perfect was uh, that particular call? And, you know, if you go back and watch that race, Mike, he really came out of nowhere. But uh, I think Montrell's joining us. Why don't you make sure that's him, Mike? And, and uh, you know, we'll talk a little bit more about this Hoosier Park Ground before we get Montrell in. And, uh, you know, some other great races, the Carlos can 
three-year-old uh, Colt Trotters. You know, we've got Pinkman involved in that particular uh, race as well. Um, Uncle Last Say, Crazy Wild. Now, here we go. Pinkman will be taking on Crazy Wild. That's certainly going to be a very interesting match as well. Of course, we talked about the free-for-all pace where we've got uh, Foiled again and uh, J.K. and Manero. They're hooking up, but Better's Edge is in that particular race. All bets off. It's going to be a fantastic race. Just a great, great card at uh, Hoosier Park. And, uh, Mike, we got Montreal. Yeah, Montreal T joining us, the driver of Wiggle It, Jiggle It. And uh, Montreal, welcome to the show, buddy. Hey, how you doing? Montreal, we certainly appreciate you joining us, my friend. And uh, I have to, I have to, before I'm, what we're going to do, Montreal, is we're going to talk from going backward from forward. In other words, we're going to talk about Wiggle It, Jiggle It a little, a little bit. But I got a little bit of a change of plans because I was doing some re- a little bit of research actually do prep work, Mike Carter, believe it or not, for for this show. <laughs> and uh, Montreal, I came upon an article in HarnessLink.com. I don't know if you remember it or not. August 18th, 2011. And the last particular line of that article, you said, my dream one day is to drive the winner of the Little Brown Jug, and that is one ambition I do have. Do you remember saying that? I actually don't remember saying that, but... Uh... I'm not surprised. I mean, that was always my lifelong dream, and it finally came true. Well, there you go. And that was the quote. And, uh, you know, it's it's just so awesome that that was back in 2011. And that was uh, that was back in the in the day and age of Cust of the Dragon, right? Yeah, yeah, that's correct, yeah. And then we, come, then we fast forward to 2015, and uh, there you are, winning a hard-fought battle. Uh, in the little brown jug. And we're going to talk about that in a moment, Montrell. But, uh, you know, let's backtrack a little bit. When did you guys know when Wiggle It, Jiggle It was going to be something special? At what point? It was halfway, uh, I mean, just jogging them, jogging them down. Dad said it early. I uh, I actually had another favorite in mind, and Dad was always correct like always. But uh, training them down, he kind of changed my mind, and I knew he was special uh, right away, just like Dad did. Mike? Now, now, which horse, uh, Montreal, which horse did you have as a favorite? Now, were you guys looking to buy one at the sale, or was this another homebred of yours? It was another homebred. His name was Wiggle Witches. He, uh, he kind of showed the same ability, but he kind of voted 10 in early, and he didn't really get a chance. We, uh, we got rid of him, so he didn't really have a chance to see what he was going to be either. So, technically, okay. Montreal, we could have had two Wiggles. Yeah, exactly. There's another uh, <laughs> Mr. Wiggles quote. So. Holy moly. Now, now, now listen, Montreal, you know, I've watched that Little Brown Jug replay. I don't know how, how many times you've watched it, but I've watched that Little Brown Jug replay about 175 times, and I'll probably do a couple more tonight before I, I go to bed because I watch it a couple times every day. <laughs> it's so fun to watch. Now, Montreal, that you've had an opportunity to uh, kind of you know let it simmer down, let it digest, um, why don't you take us through that, that final race a little bit. Take us through that, that race where, you know, you're coming around the turn, and quite frankly, myself along with all the other harness, the harness racing world thought that maybe that loss for words was going was, was to get it to you, and then all of a sudden you come into the stretch and you outgun him. Can you, can you take us through what it felt like going through that race? Yeah, I mean, around the last turn, I was thinking the same thing everybody was, that he was beaten. Lost for words kind of pulled away about two or three, well, one or two lengths. And uh, right when we turned that corner, I just started doing some kind of motion, and it it, it, it happened to work. Uh, I watched the replay like you did, and I didn't even know I was driving with the left hand. And I, we, I had a conversation with Dad afterwards. He said, uh, was he on the right line so bad that he had to drive with the left hand? So I was driving with my left hand. I didn't even know it. Now, Montreal, I was there, uh, and I personally had the, uh, the luxury of interviewing you uh, at the Little Brown Jug. You know, to win this for your father, I know we talked about it a little bit on Jug Day, but tell us a little, tell us a little bit about what it meant to win uh, for the family. I know the whole family was there. I've seen, you know, everybody there. What was that like to win in front of everybody? I mean, we had that goal a long time ago, but right when he won that in 49 at Harrington, we actually thought we could uh, we actually have a chance at a Lord Brown Jug at half mile track. And, um, you know, it was just a remarkable day to win it for Dad and, He's had an unbelievable career. Uh, not just me racing his, but he's won just about everything except for the Little Brown Chuck. So, for me to put that on his uh, 
on a pedestal and put it up there for one of his best races, it, it's it's honor. I'm honored. Montreal, did you have a chance to catch any of the Breeders' Ground at all? Yeah, I did. I watched all of it. Yeah. What what uh, some of your thoughts uh, on that particular day? It was uh, it was great racing. I mean, um, sloppy up there. I'm not not a fan of the rain, so I'm not mad that we missed it. But um, it, it was it was a lot of great racing. I was surprised in the uh, in the brown jug that Wiggles was in. Everybody took back and was looking to follow everybody and lost for words. I thought he was going to steal it from everybody. He got a five length jump on all of them, but um. It was just surprising how gapped off they were, and for Freak VP to come from back there, it was that, that was great. Now, Montreal, you're coming into this race at Hoosier Park this weekend. Did you learn anything from the Breeders' Crown from Freak VP at all? Uh, I know you've raced against them before, but did you learn anything uh, as far as maybe that he could that he doesn't have to pocket sit the whole way that he can close from off the pace? Yeah. Um, from me watching him just previously in the round, I mean, the, the Breeders' Crown, he kind of seems like he has a different kind of kick on the, from the back having a second over trip or any kind of uh, trip on the outside. Um, I haven't really seen him on the front as much as he usually is, but um, it seems that if he, if he gets a good trip off the pace, he, he fires real, really good. All right, Montrell, uh, here we go. Round three, wiggle it, jiggle it, freaky feet, Pete. Lost for words in this race as well. He's certainly be a factor. Um, what are your thoughts coming up in the Monument Circle? Uh, confidence. I mean, he put a good uh, good race in last week. He kind of got caught the week before by freaky feet, Pete, which was still a good effort and everything like that. So um, I think it's going to be a good race. we got the post number one, which never hurts. And then um, – I can kind of dictate, see what everybody else is doing on the gate, and just go from there. Mike, you got anything else before we get into our little lighter side buzz round? No, let's uh, let's uh, let's learn a little bit, little bit about Montreal, shall we? All right, Montreal. Now listen, we talked about wiggle it, jiggle it, Frankie feet paint. Now we're going to talk a little bit about you. Now here's what uh, here's what I, Mike Carter and I got together, and here, here's what we come up with. It's something that we may try to turn into a, a regular segment on this program when we interview a gentleman like yourself or ladies like yourself, it's going to be a lighter side, like a, a buzz round. So I'm going to ask you 10 very quick questions. They're, they're, they're cupcake questions. Don't get nervous. It's very easy. And, uh, <laughs> and we'll just, we'll just go through them very quickly. Okay, Montreal. Yeah, no problem. All right. Favorite music group. Uh, hip hop. Favorite cartoon growing up. Um, cartoon would have to be probably Ninja Turtles. There you go. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And they're making a huge comeback, by the way. I went costume shopping for the little one, and that's all that there is, is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I'm going to tell you, if, if, if your little one wants to be something else other than a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle, good luck. Okay, favorite food, Montreal? <laughs> uh, surf and turf. Favorite sports team? Philadelphia Eagles. Oh. All right, that's it. Show, show, no, that's it. Show's over, Mike. We got to go. Um, <laughs> okay, real quick, Sam Bradford. Give me your thoughts on Sam Bradford. Is he the man? Uh, that's up to Chip Kelly. We only got him for a year, so we're, uh, he's not making a very good first impression, so I'm not sure about next year. Um, I was a big fan of him when we first got him, but I, I'm not sure. It's taking a little bit too speed. long to get his wheels. Buddy, it's time for the Sanchez. Coke or Pepsi? Pepsi. Favorite movie? Uh, the Hangover. Oh, that's a good one. Favorite TV that program? That is a very good one. What was that? Favorite TV program. Like, like, like you've got any time to watch TV, but favorite, favorite TV program? Um, you know, I was off of racing one time, and I got a real been watching on uh, Lost. There I was like go. five years late. Okay, very important question here, Montreal. Very important. Bud Light, Miller Light, or Coors Light? Coors Light. Okay, here's oh, another good man. one for you. Uh, mile track, five-eighths mile track, or a half-mile track? Which do you prefer? Half-mile track. And the final question that we have for Montreal Teague. Mike Carter, are you ready for this one? Let's do it. Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump? Oh, Hillary Clinton. All right. Montreal Teague joining us. Montreal, good luck to you coming up on Friday. 
And uh, I'll tell you what, it's been a joy watching you guys, you and your family, and Wiggle the Jiggle to take us through a magical ride here uh, so far in 2015. And uh, we certainly appreciate you joining us, and uh, give them hell Friday. You got it. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right. That was Montreal. All right. That was Montreal Teague, the driver of Wiggle the Jiggle It. And, of course, uh, he's uh, got the uh, big matchup coming up against Freaky Feet Pete on Friday at Hoosier Park. Mike, what do you say we take a time out, and uh, when we come back, we'll uh, move right along. Yeah, let's, uh, we're going to take a quick time out. When we come back, uh, Clarissa Coughlin from Friends of Maryland Standard Breads will be joining us. And, uh, in fact, that's where our commercial comes from. It's the Friends of Maryland Standard Breads. Friends of Maryland Standard Breads is an industry support group focused on promoting harness racing in Maryland. Friends of Maryland Standard Breads works hand-in-hand with charities involving children and horses, such as the Harness Horse Youth Foundation. Friends of Maryland Standard Breads is actively involved with organizations such as the Maryland Horse Council and the Maryland Horse Industry Board, working together to promote the horse industry in Maryland. Follow Friends of Maryland Standard Breads on Twitter and like them on Facebook. Mike Carter, Mike Bozich back. It's post time with Mike and Mike, and we're on our regularly scheduled Thursday format, and we certainly appreciate you joining us. Now, uh, Mike, before we get into the Clarissa Coughlin interview, we are making uh, a little bit of a social media splash. Can you tell the listeners where they could follow us on social media? Yeah, we, uh, we've got a couple of different social media aspects. You can follow us on Twitter, uh, at Mike one You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Mike. Uh, you can check out uh, episodes for uh, future shows uh, right here on Blog Talk Radio, and also our archive shows are here on Blog Talk Radio and, of course, on the iTunes Music Store. And you can get us on here if you've got an iPhone device, you've got an Apple device, an iPad, a MacBook, whatever, uh, you can get us our uh, podcast on your uh, computer or your phone or what have you. So we've got a lot of different ways to check us out now. Mike, i got to tell you. I did notice a little bit of a groan when uh, Montreal answered the uh, Bud Light, Miller Light, Coors Light question. What what was that all about? Yeah, I'm a Bud Light fan. How about none of the above? Uh, Nah, Uh, yeah. See, uh, see, up here in Buffalo, though, you're in Labatt's country. Oh, exactly. uh, That's that's how, you know what, Mike, that's how it was in Michigan, too. And Labatt's actually was a lot cheaper than it was, say, in California, because, you know, we're close to the Canadian border and that. But anyway, um, director, the director of Friends of Maryland Standard Breast, Clarissa Coughlin, uh, had a chance to uh, join us, and we were able to sit down with her. And as Friends of Maryland Standard Breast, terrific organization, Mike, they do a lot for the sport of harness racing, especially uh, in the state of Maryland. And uh, we had a chance to talk to Clarissa. And, Mike, why don't you go ahead and roll the footage, so to speak. We're with Clarissa Coughlin, the director of the Friends of Maryland Standard Breads. Clarissa, welcome to the show. Hey, Mike. How are you? I'm good. Tell us a little bit about the Friends of Maryland Standard Breads, if you will. Okay. uh, Friends of Maryland Standard Breads was established uh, about 2013, And um, because of the lack of public interest in harness racing, we were looking for a way to support the industry. And and we wanted to do something to show people how much fun horse racing could be, to get people excited about harness racing and actually coming out to the track. So we created FOMS, and we wanted to promote harness racing and the versatility of the standard bread in Maryland. So one of our primary functions is also fundraising to support charities involving children and horses. Okay, the past few years we've participated in some horse-related events, um, ranging from Harness Horse Youth Foundation, a summer camp at Ocean Downs, and then we came back again in 2014 and had a summer camp at Ocean Downs. We've also been actively involved with organizations such as um, the Maryland Horse Council, and the Maryland Horse Industry Board. Uh, along with, we co-hosted an evening at the races at Rosecroft Raceway, and through that, we did the, we spearheaded the racing under saddle. We had Helen Gregory and um, Jennifer Connor come out. They were guest speakers, and they talked about racing under saddle, which I think is a great opportunity for women. 
you know, you see a lot of the female riders out there. Um, so we spearheaded. I was able to lock in some a sponsorship from the Maryland Horse Industry Board for our first exhibition race at Ocean Downs. And that was so successful, we came back again this past summer, and we had another exhibition race. We also did a Racing Under Saddle seminar at Winback Farm. So we're hoping we're going to do another seminar in the spring, and we would like to come back again in the summer and do another Racing Under Saddle exhibition. Even the the trainers, the drivers, um, the fans at Ocean Downs, it's it's a family atmosphere. Um, they, everybody was standing up. They were at the rail. They were watching this race. It's something new. It's exciting. People like to see it. And I love to see the women come out there with the trotters. I just think it's a it's a great way to promote the standard bread. Now, the sport uh, of harness racing in the state of Maryland uh, is obviously, obviously gone through some tough times. Uh, talk a little bit about the past and uh, maybe even the future of uh, the sport in the state of Maryland. Well... At one time, you know, Free State, I mean, it's no longer there. We have Rosecroft. I mean, the the, the stands used to be full of fans. It's no longer like that. I mean, you go out there now, and, I mean, you have your regulars, and, and, and that's a good thing that we saw people come out to see live racing, but it's not what it used to be. So it's really important that we work together. You know, we, we need to promote harness racing. We need to get people out to the track. Now, Ocean Downs, they have a really nice crowd because of the location near Ocean City. So people come to the beach to have a good time. They come to make memories. So what we did there is um, we had Randy Davis, who does the carriage rides. So we had other events, you know, to bring more people out. So they're coming out, they're coming out for these events, and then they get interested in harness racing. So hopefully, maybe at Rosecroft, there'll come a time when we'll be able to get more people out to Rosecroft, I mean, I don't know what the intention, uh, what's going to happen next year with Penn Gaming, because you know that National Harbor will have casino, will have a casino at National Harbor MGM, so I don't know what's going to happen there, so we are cautiously optimistic about Rosecroft. Let's go to a little bit of a personal level, Clarissa. Um, Jim Coughlin, of course, uh, is your husband, and uh, he's trained some pretty good horses throughout the years. Now, how did you and Jim, uh, how did you guys get involved in the business to begin with? Uh, Well, Jim was involved back in the late 60s, early 70s he got involved. Um, And through that, he met uh, a, a gentleman named Earl Wagner. And Earl mentored him, and he leased him a few horses to train, and then he got him some owners. Uh, Jim always worked within a few miles of Rosecroft. He had a full-time job. He was an auto body technician. Then in the mornings, he would take care of the horses, go to work, and then in the afternoon, he'd come back, and then he'd go to work, and then he'd come back in the evening on his way home. So he stabled his horses a few miles, you know, right from work at Rosecroft Raceway. Um, then he took a break in the uh, late 80s to raise our, our family and he came back into the business when our girls were about middle school age. Um, he's always had a passion for developing the babies. So you fast forward to 2007, we had our first Maryland Sire Stakes two-year-old pacer. Um, he swept the Maryland Sire Stakes boss outlaw. I think he took a mark of 51-1 and one in an elimination as a two-year-old at Colonial. And um, as a three-year-old, he took a mark of 50-1 uh, and one at Chester. And then the following year, we had game day, who is now nine. Actually, he's out in our backyard right now. <laughs> he's a nine-year-old gelding, and he's by Van Lance Hanover. Now, he races a three-year-old in 2009, he won elimination at Harrington, and he was third in the final. And that year, he made around $90,000 for us. Um, and then he raced at Chester as a four-year-old, and then I think he even put in a mark at 51 at Colonial as a four-year-old. Um, the funny thing is, is we weren't sure that he was going to come back as a three-year-old because he had a slab fracture in his knee. But when he came back as a three-year-old, that's when he made, you know, he made up close to 90000 that year. So um, 
we kind of got, I kind of got bit by the bug because I really was not into harness racing. Jim introduced me and my mom and dad to harness racing. He's always loved harness racing. He loves the horses. Um, so I think our first date was at uh, Free State Raceway, and he introduced us to harness racing. Then my mother and dad, we took them out to the track, and we've been involved ever since. Well, that was Clarissa Coughlin discussing the Friends of Maryland Standard Breads. And uh, I'll tell you what, Mike, they've done a gracious job in uh, sponsoring our show, uh, Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Friends of Maryland Standard Breads. And, uh, they, do, they do a great thing in Maryland. Yep, uh, certainly terrific to have Clarissa on and uh, certainly thankful for her to uh, be a sponsor here of uh, Post Time with Mike and Mike. And uh, I guess it's crown time coming up here pretty soon. Yeah, what we're going to do is uh, we're going to take a quick commercial break. we got a couple of commercials to go back-to-back. Uh, back. And when we come back from our commercial, we are going to play the stretch call of all 12 championship races. You don't want to miss it. It's coming up next here on Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Friends of Maryland Standard Bread. It takes them every ounce of energy to get out of bed. They struggle to the mirror and comb their hair, what's left of it. But when the race is on, it's on. The Darrow's in between horses, Jettison gets to the lead, and Jettison will take the Niatron. Down to the finish, Mick Wicked by as much as he pleases. The Darrow's with 100 yards to go, the Dalas and driver Drew Monty win the Niatron's final. Draws away as they come down to the finish. Pinkman, a go-away winner. That's Harness Racing's newest podcast, Post Time, with Mike Bozich and Mike Carter, every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern on blogtalkradio.com. Friends of Maryland Standard Breads is an industry support group focused on promoting harness racing in Maryland. Friends of Maryland Standard Breads works hand-in-hand with charities involving children and horses, such as the Harness Horse Youth Foundation. Friends of Maryland Standard Breads is actively involved with organizations such as the Maryland Horse Council and the Maryland Horse Industry Board, working together to promote the horse industry in Maryland. Follow Friends of Maryland Standard Breads on Twitter and like them on Facebook. The undefeated Pure Country puts it all on the line now. Mayhem seals her back in second. Outside in third is Lions River Pride. And rolling up late comes Yankee Moonshine fourth. Coming up to seven eighths. And it's Pure Country opening up by three legs now. Back in second, Mayhem seals her. Late speed from She's a Real Deal. Yankee Moonshine is back in fourth. And deep stretch leader Pure Country will get it home to win the Breeders' Crown. She is a perfect ten. The Red Rocks with 
an amazing come from behind score in upset fashion as he stops the clock in 151 and 3. Now she's a length and a half in front. She can carry back in second. She'll angle out for a clear shot with an eighth of a mile to go, but she'll need some help as to one steps away. She could carry launching late now. She could carry after to one, and it's to one at the inside for Miller. To one wins the Breeders' Crown Open Mare Trot. And still there, Creatin. He'll try and go down the road for Tactor. Creatin is still there now as the blinds are pulled down on Creatin, and he fronts the field by two lengths. Second on the outside with late speed comes Resolve. Back into third, Goral Hanover be a magician, not tonight. It's still Creatin there by two lengths, and Creatin wins pillar to post. From way back on Coiling comes Campbell and Katie said, along with Colors Virgin. It's going to get interesting now. Lady Shadow leads the way, but she's skating on very thin ice. Katie said, powers up in the grandstand side for Campbell, and she's coming on. Also there between the Colors of Virgin is down to Katie said, and Colors of Virgin. Katie said, Campbell had a director, and she ain't a break in strike, and it's Colors of Virgin on the inside. And it's always be Mickey on top here. His lead now two lengths. Second to the outside is State Treasure. Foiled again in third. Far outside. Revving up comes Mock and so and from way back is all bets off. But they're all racing for jump change here. As always be Mickey will take it home. Off the turning, coming to the stretch. Sass ahead over there. Here on the outside, Divine Caroline. Divine Caroline is inching in and coming on. And it's Miller and Divine Caroline to strike the front as they come into the final eighth of the mile. Sass ahead over back in second. A battle royal for the minor spoils. Clear and deep stretch, Divine Caroline. And Divine Caroline wins again. Four straight for her. She wins the Breeders' Crown at 151. Mission Brief is still there. She's off stride. Mission Brief self-destructed on the lead from Jinkrong. And that leaves the door wide open now. While Honey and Campbell, the lead fall in their last as they come into the final eighth of the mile. Second is Classical Annie. Late speed on the far outside from I am so fancy. Wild Honey clear and deep stretch by three lengths. And it's Wild Honey. As they swing into the stretch. And Jingra pops the plugs and slaps the wheel to Pinkman. Pinkman is still there by a length. Pressure on the outside from the bank in second. Muscle climb into third. French line three fourth. Pinkman leads with a sixteenth to go. Second on the outside is the bank. In at the rail muscle diamond. Here comes the bank with a late surge. And the bank on the Or Miller's gonna steal one. Lux for words is opened up by a pair, and he's at three quarters and one twenty-two and one, and they spin into the stretch. And Lux for words opens up by three lengths now. Freaky CT on the far outside is pairing up now. Leaks still there. Lux for words. Freaky CT is closing the tunnel on the outside. Lux for words meets the line. Freaky CT on the far outside gets airborne. Late for Teachrick, and it's Freaky CT to win the Breeders' Crown in the final stride. I'll tell you what, it was a uh, a lot of fun in the Breeders' Crown, and uh, some some definitely some great stretch calls by Ken Middleton. But uh, how about Boston Red Rocks? That was probably my uh, my favorite race. Well, it was certainly my favorite call from Ken Middleton over the part. And, and you know, really, if you watch that, the speed stopped so bad in that particular race, and it was quite a rally there from Boston Red Rocks. Certainly my favorite call from Mr. Middleton. But uh, you know what? Uh, what a great card. You had Southwind Frank uh, doing it again. You know, he's a hambo hopeful, certainly for uh, 2016. My man, Brett Miller, on the pose, pure country, undefeated, book it. Uh, D1 was solid again. You know, how about some disappointments? A couple of big disappointments that stood out to me. Obviously, Mission Brief. Um, you know, she was on the victory. I, I think no question about it. Uh, so Wild Honey right. got one there. But how about Katie said? I think Katie said probably had that thing locked up too before she looks like she bore in a little bit. Campbell, like Ken Middleton said, had to correct her. And uh, 
and she wasn't, uh, you know, she, she lost the opportunity to be a Breeders' Crown champion. How about the bank? That's another big one that we uh, we haven't really discussed is uh, the bank. The bank put in a huge effort, and Mike, I gotta say, I gotta give you your credit here. You called this one. Keep going. <laughs> keep going. Keep giving me you, credit. Keep I was going. Say, keep you going. called this one. You know, you called this one because you said it. The bank is gonna get. You know, the bank has to get it done soon. And I'll tell you what, the bank pulled off a monumental upset, as uh, Ken Middleton has said before. And I'll tell you what, nothing taken, nothing away from Pinkman, though. Pinkman raced very, very well in the Breeders' Crown. So, you know, the other real race that I was impressed with, of course it was with Freaky Feet Pete, just how he closed from off the pace like he did against um, Lost for Words. It was just unbelievable how much ground he had to make up in the stretch. I'll tell you what, the stretch at Mohawk, I mean, the stretch at Mohawk is long. The stretch at Woodbine, not so much. I'll I'll tell you what, he had to make up a lot of ground in a short amount of time. I I would love to hear what Trace Teacher was thinking coming down the stretch. Well, we're certainly going to have to get Trace on the show. You know, I'll tell you, it's one thing, and this is what kind of what we learned with talking from with, with Montreal Teague today um, and how these drivers see different things on the replay, because obviously Mike, it's one thing when you're driving the race, it's another thing. And obviously another viewpoint when you watch it kind of like we do, you know, on the TV or live on the racetrack and you see so many different things. And uh, just like Montreal talked about, and uh, that's why it's not so bad. You know, you get the driver's reactions right away after the race. And then, you know, you let it sink in. You know, you let it sink in. Let them watch replays uh, a couple of times, and you let it sink in. And then sometimes, you know, you get something different out of it. So it's going to be interesting to see maybe in another week or two. And who knows? Maybe we can try to get Trace on the show. Let him watch the replay a couple of times, and uh, then let him see it from that perspective. But, uh, no, certainly it was a great rally by uh, Freaky Feet Pete. Wakazashi Hanna was right there. Gave it uh, – you know, gave it his all every step of the way. Art Speak finished a good closing second, but I got to tell you, and just like you said, when Lost for Words turned for home, I thought he was a winner. And that was actually yeah, Allison think- Conte's pick. We were talking to Allison uh, on the show before, and, uh, you know, she that was her pick, Lost for Words, and uh, she almost uh, was able to cash in on that long shot. Yeah, I think that was I think I think everybody thought that Lost for Words was winning at the top of the stretch. I know Ken Middleton Ken Middleton said it best. They've got to do some pacing or Miller's gonna steal one. And he uh, I'll tell you what, he darn near did. And I'll tell you, if Petrick gets stuck along the rail, I, I don't foresee anybody beating Lost for Words. So uh that was definitely one of the best races of the night. Of course, Wild Honey winning and that was an impressive performance by Wild Honey. Uh, just happened to be in the right place at the right time when Mission Brief jumped it off. And uh, hopefully a few of you were listening to the show and uh, were listening to what I said before the race. She looked a little bouncy uh, before they went to the gate. Yeah, and you just have to ask yourself, Mike, how much the slop and the conditions had to do with the racing. Now, certainly it affected some horses. You know, I think the, the, uh, you know, the, champ- the, the real champion certainly rose to the top. But if you watch, and this was on uh, uh, the Morning Line program uh, through the USTA, as well as if you go online on YouTube and look up Breeders' Crown 2015, Allison Conti and crew from the USTA did a remarkable job of, uh, you know, talking about some of the races. And you could just tell from her interviews and from her reporting on track that as the time wore on and as the night wore on, the conditions were just so bad and it uh at one point and i can't actually remember the race i want to say it was the freaky feet pete race but uh, allison was doing a piece right before the race and the rain was coming down so hard i felt i felt bad for the poor girl i really did i mean she was out there and it was raining so hard and, and uh you know just hats off to all these guys uh you know that went out there and, and uh raced and a lot of champions decided, and it's not over. Like we said, we've got a big car coming up at Hoosier Park on Friday. Still a lot of harness racing to be determined uh, and to uh, go on before the end of the year, Mike. Yeah, a lot of harness racing. And, uh, Mike, I know we're, we're a harness show, but let's, uh, let, let's switch gears for just a quick second. We've got the Breeders' Cup coming out at Keeneland this weekend, and a huge, 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 huge scratch in Beholder. 
against American Pharaoh. So we're not going to get to see the race that I know I was looking forward to, but uh, lots of other great action going on uh, this Friday and Saturday. And, of course, American Pharaoh, the Triple Crown winner, first Triple Crown winner in 37 years, uh, is going to come into the Breeders' Cup for his final start of his career. Yeah, I was really looking forward, Mike, to seeing that race, too, with uh, with Beholder. But, uh, you know, give the connections of Beholder a lot of credit for not taking any chances because one of the worst things that could have happened is if something would have happened during the race and Beholder would have had to pull up or something like that. So I give the cre- the uh, connections uh, a lot of credit uh, for, you know, not, not sending him in the race. But, um you know, how can you not get behind American Pharaoh? You know, I mean, I think a lot of people are rooting for Beholder, you know, Mayor against the boys, but, you know, American Pharaoh, I mean, he's the man, you know, uh, I got to tell you where I was and uh, dur- during that triple crown race, um, we just got through, I was substituting for you in Virginia, Mike, on that yes, particular Saturday. And uh, I got to tell you, I was desperately looking for a place to watch the race. And there's not a whole lot around that fairgrounds in Virginia. No. So I had to I had to drive a little bit, and I barely made the race. And, uh, you know, we walked into Applebee's, actually, um, and uh, we were able to watch the race there. And it was kind of cool because there were a lot of people actually into the race. You'd think that maybe not a lot of people knew what was going on, but they had the race on virtually every channel. A lot of people were into the race, and uh, it was certainly a solemn moment. But – I do want to give you a horse that I do like. I want to give, we don't want to spend too much time on this, Mike, because you know we're a harness show. But I do want to give one pick that I like, Mike, and that's going to be in race number ten in Keeneland on Saturday, the Breeders' Cup Turf. How about the Pizza Man? The Pizza the best Man, na- the, the best, the best named horse ever, Arlington Million winner, uh, Stars and Stripes, really. Uh, Love that turf course over at Arlington. A flying second last time at uh, Keeneland. And I'm going with the Pizza Man. 15 to 1 on the board. Book it. $2 to show. Oh, yeah, $2 to show. This guy is so bad. So, but yeah, so they got the Breeders' Cup coming up uh, this weekend. But, Micah, let's, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to take a look at the uh, some news headlines, uh, the Drivers' Dash title update. Yonkers raised $19,000 for breast cancer awareness uh, this past weekend. And we've got a little bit more coming up after the break. Here at Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Friends of Maryland Standard Bread. It takes them every ounce of energy to get out of bed. They struggle to the mirror and comb their hair. What's left of it? When the race is on, it's on. The Dallas in between horses, Jettison gets to the lead, and Jettison will take the Niatron. Go to the finish, McWicked, by as much as he pleases. The Dallas with 100 yards to go, the Dallas and driver Drew Monty win the Niatron's final. Draws away as they come down to the finish, Pinkman, a go-away winner. That's Harness Racing's newest podcast, Post Time, with Mike Bozich and Mike Carter, every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern on blogtalkradio.com. All right, we're back on Post Time with Mike and Mike, and uh, we're closing up this show. Uh, Don't forget, you can join us every Thursday here at 7, the archives on uh, blogtalkradio.com. I think we made the big time now. We're on Apple iTunes, Mike, is that correct? Yeah, we're on the we're in the iTunes store. Just check out the podcast section of the iTunes store. Uh, it was just approved this morning, and so uh, I had a lot of time to play with this morning. So I went and looked real quick, and sure enough, bam, there it was. So uh, now, wait, can I, wait, 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 now. Wait, wait, all right, when can we expect a check from Apple? Now, is Apple paying us to be on there? Uh, no, that's a that's a total free thing. So you know uh, what? We're we're lucky that Blog Talk Radio though. They send the podcast right over to Apple. So uh, I will check and see just after the show goes off about how long it takes. But you should be able to get it within a couple hours. So uh, that will be a very nice luxury to have. We're moving up in the world, Mike. We're moving up. Speaking of moving up, uh, you know, we talked about – we're going to put this on social media, Mike. 
um, within the next couple of days, probably the um, breast cancer awareness fit that uh, we did at Northfield Park, the race for the cure. You had a chance to announce that race. We talked to uh, some of the ladies that uh, drove in that particular race, a real uh, touching piece. And uh, that was uh, in our two-hour marathon show for the Breeders' Crown. So we're going to put that up as a, sec- a separate segment coming up in the next couple of days on social media. So you'll be able to catch that. But along those lines, uh, they recently had a pace for the cure, a race for the cure at Yonkers. Um, and they raised uh, $19,000 for breast cancer research. As a matter of fact, $3,000 um, from that 19000 was a donation made by the North American Amateur Drivers Association. So hats off to them. Hats off to everybody that uh, works their rear end off to uh, try to, uh, you know, put into this, this great noble cause of breast cancer research. And uh, like I say, I'm really happy, extremely happy to see this sport and this industry you know, get behind such a great and noble cause. All the other sports do it. I think it's high time that we do it. And I can see it year from year from year, our sport, you know, coming up and, and answering the bell. And uh, I'm there's, there's times, Mike, and let's be honest, there are times where, you know, we're not proud of our sport, just like any other sport, not only harness racing, but there's times where, you know, I mean, our heads aren't in the sand here. Don't get me wrong. We know there's problems, not only, in this sport, but every other sport. But uh, sometimes um, I'm proud of this industry, and I'm definitely proud of the strides that this industry has made to uh, raise money for breast cancer research. So hats off the Yonkers Raceway and all the other racetracks and entities that are contributing to uh, this noble cause. Yeah, definitely. It's, uh, it definitely it really, really helps out when we all get behind one cause. And, uh, Mike, speaking of getting behind a cause, uh, We've got there's a great internship opportunity that I want to talk about real quick before we go into the driver's dash title uh, update. It's at Alaraj Farms in Sayre, Pennsylvania, and it's a breeding farm internship. It's available for uh, young folks like me and you uh, who recently completed a bachelor's degree in equine sciences, animal sciences, or related discipline. And uh, I'll tell you what, it involves training at the breeding farm, and that's really where we need some help is at the breeding farms. And uh, there's looks like some great opportunities, potential for full-time employment. So uh, for more information about that, check out the USDA website where they uh, they have all the information listed. That's right, and you did call me young, and I really appreciate that, Mike. We appreciate that very much. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, now, you are really young. Me, not so much. But anyway, let's get to another subject and uh, – How about, and I have to, first of all, thank uh, one of the best statisticians in the sport, uh, Jerry Connors, for uh, keeping track. And I'll tell you what, if you want to know his stat, it's kind of like Hollywood Hayden. If you want to know his stat about anything, talk to Jerry, and uh, he'll let you know. But we've got a really good dash title home stretch coming. Now, we're in the last couple of months, and and I guess according to, you know, with, with drivers and the amount, that they drive amount of races that they drive nowadays uh, two months could be an eternity. It's like the final two minutes in an NFL game. It's like an eternity with all the timeouts and everything, but it looks like that we could have a thrilling finish coming. George Napolitano jr. Had a couple of wins today at Harris, Philadelphia. And uh, he's it? got, that's it. Believe it or not. Yeah. Two wins. That's kind <laughs> of an off day for him, but set, he's got 712 wins according to my numbers. And uh, or, or Jerry's numbers, and Aaron Merriman has got 701. So Aaron's 11 down right now. Now George Napolitano Jr. another another hundred win month. He's got 113. And Jerry also uh, sent me the itinerary for these uh, guys coming up the next four days. And let's not forget about Ronnie Wren Jr. He's uh, he's at about the mid 600 600s as far as wins are concerned too. So he still has an opportunity to creep up into this race also. But if you're looking for the itinerary for these uh, guys coming up Friday, uh, Napolitano will be at Philadelphia, and Aaron will be down at Hoosier Park competing for, uh, you know, the stakes races down there. Saturday, George and App will be at both Harris and Pocono. We do race live, by the way. Cheap plug on a, uh, Halloween afternoon for Breeders' yeah. Cup 1240. Um, and Aaron Merriman will be at the Meadows and Northfield. So both of the drivers will double dip. They'll be at Two particular different racetracks each coming up on Saturday. Sunday, uh, Napolitano will be at Harris. And Northfield just added Sundays uh, onto their uh, racing schedule, Mike. 
So Aaron yeah, Herman will be at Northfield. Yep, they'll be he'll be at Northfield on Sunday, and then Monday George Napolitano will have the day off, and Aaron Merriman will have a chance to gain some ground, or maybe he'll be in the lead by then. We don't know, but he'll have a chance to do some damage because George Napolitano will be idle on Monday, and Aaron Merriman will be at the Meadows and Northfield Park. So an exciting stretch of uh, you know a couple of great drivers. Uh, Mike and uh, George Napolitano Jr. and Aaron Merriman. So something to keep an eye on coming up in these last couple of months of 2015. Yeah, definitely. And uh, with Northfield adding Sundays now, I'm not sure exactly how long they've got Sundays till, but I'll tell you what, if it goes all the way through the end of the year, it definitely could make a, uh, definitely could make a, uh, uh, a showdown at Northfield Park. My buddy Ayers Ratliff, uh, we'll get to give that a, give that a shout out and a call. And uh, what are you flipping through a program over there? Me flipping through a program? Never. Yeah, I hear the pages flipping. So, uh, oh, no, uh, no, it's all. I don't uh, need a program, Mike. It's all in my head. It's all in my head. Yeah, right. Uh, you know what? And I, you know, and if uh, if you want to catch uh, me in action, I'll be in action at Northfield Park on Tuesday. So cheap plug there as well. Well, sounds good. Well, Mike, we got what, what, how much time we got? We got a couple of minutes yet? We got about three and a half minutes. Three minutes and forty okay. seconds. Three and a half minutes. Let's real quick go over these last couple of races uh, or these states races at Hoosier Park. There's five in particular, Mike. The USSS Indianapolis Memorial. It's race nine on the Friday program. Three-year-old Philly pace. And, yes, I was flipping through a program. Darn it. Okay. Um, Anyway, for Sasa Hanover from post 10, finished second in the Breeders' Crown to Divine Caroline. And uh, Divine Caroline's working on a win streak. She was really good on Breeders' Crown Day. So Sasa Hanover will be in action. Uh, Southwind Roulette, another Romberg trainee, fifth-place finisher in the Breeders' Crown. She'll be in action in that particular race as well as uh, we move the race. Then, do you have any thoughts on there, Mike, or do you not have a program to flip through like I do? No, uh, no, I'm looking at it right now. You know, Sasa Hanover looks like the horse to beat that field. Uh, Devil Child, excuse me, Devil Child looks like a horse that uh, that could be a potential upsetter. This is a very competitive field of three-year-old fillies, and uh, I'll tell you what, it matches the three-year-old fillies in the Crossroads of America, which I think is a, uh, which is the trotting version, and uh, say these are two competitive races for three-year-old fillies. That's right, and the Crossroads of America is the very next race, and that is a very competitive race. You've got I'm So Fancy from the inside. Muscle Baby Doll. There was a nice article on the USTA about Muscle Baby Doll. Uh, you know, check that out. Uh, that should still be up on the main page. But uh, easy win last time. Actually beat Wild Honey in an elimination of the Elegant Image, but uh, obviously did not go so well in the finals of the Elegant Image and broke in the Ontario Sire Stakes final. So if Muscle Baby Dow can stay flat, this horse obviously has a big chance. You've got Speak to Me, Bright Baby Blues on the outside. Another pretty good field there, Mike. Yeah, Bright Blazy Blues is my top pick in this race. Uh, $280,000 in the bank. I'll tell you what, you can't overlook Muscle Baby Doll, but the price that you're going to get on Muscle Baby Doll isn't going to be worth it to me. So you got to do things electronically now. You you young guys do these things electronically now, and i got to do the hardback regular program, just like the old days. Moving right along. <laughs> well, Moving I'll tell, right along. I'll, I'll tell you. Yeah, moving along here. We got uh, the next race is the 11th race. It's the Carl uh, Erskine for three-year-old uh, trotters, and it features Pinkman versus yeah, Pinkman versus Muscle Crazy Diamond. Wild. That's going to be a great match. Yeah, that's going to be a great matchup, Mike. Yeah, Crazy Wild took the uh, Breeders' Crown off, and uh, Pinkman, Uncle Lasse, suit and tie, definitely a uh, very competitive field. And Habitat. Don't forget about Habitat from both times. Yes, you cannot forget about Habitat. we got 60 seconds left to go. Uh, of course, we talked about the Monument Circle in race 13, and in the 12th race, it's the Hoosier Park Pacing Derby. Boiled again, all bets off. Better Zed, J.K. and Rivera. There's nothing to not like about this field here. No, certainly. Very, very classy field. And while we can get it in before the clock runs out, uh, they have the East meets Midwest Drivers Challenge also that's going on kind of in the undercard in the races along with the constellations leading up to that. And also on Saturday, Mike, uh, Vernon's got the kindergarten final. So grand uh, for freshman uh, Colt and Philly Trotters. So a lot of action coming up this weekend. Grand Circuit action continuing uh, at a uh, harness racing uh, track near you. And of course, you can catch all the action um, at an OTB near you or in this day and age, you could 
catch it on a computer also near you. A computer right, near we you. Thank, we, we, we thank you for joining Post Time with Mike and Mike. We'll see you next Thursday at 7 o'clock.